Hello, you're listening to Sarah Archer and episode 76 of the Speaking Club podcast. I was once asked to give a speech to a group of pensioners who were hard of hearing. It wasn't a success. I felt like every bit of wisdom I shared fell on deaf ears. Welcome to the Speaking Club podcast, because making them laugh is the secret sauce to your speaking, pitching, and business success. And now your host, Sarah Archer. Hey, and welcome to another episode. So on this show, I have a big treat for you. For some time, I've been wanting to get a voiceover artist on, and today is the day. I met uh, Helen Langford at a networking event, and when she introduced herself, it felt like my ears were being covered in warm, silky chocolate. But the beauty of what Helen does is that she can transform her voice in seconds to become a completely different character or convey a different emotion. And Helen works for some of the largest companies doing all sorts of voice work. And I'm chuffed to bits that she's going to be sharing some of her tips for making the most out of our voices with you. Now, before I switch over to the interview, I wanted to share something exciting. I now have the launch date for my new speaking course. Woo! And I'll share it with you at the end of the show. And I'll be opening the joining window for a limited time because this is the first release of the course and it will be at a special price. So if you've been getting value and tips from the podcast and you want to get more coaching and the whole sensational speaker system, then you'll want to get on the list for this initial launch. As I've mentioned before, I will also be offering something special, very special, for the first 10 students who join me. So it's well worth getting on the list as those people will get priority access. So get yourself over to get your name down at thespeakingclub.com slash speaking course. Okay, enough of that. Let's go over to the interview. So Helen Langford, welcome to the Speaking Club. Thank you very much. I've always wanted to have a voiceover artist on the show. And when I met you, I thought it's a brilliant opportunity. But the first question I want to ask you is how did you get into it? Because it's, it's not where you started, but it's what you do today. So what was that journey like? Yeah, I mean, I think probably like a lot of voiceovers, um, it's something that you fall into a bit. Um, I, was, I was an actor, um, which, again, is, is a case for a lot of voiceovers, but not all of them. Um, some of them come at it from a more um, sort of a radio, a more technical sound engineering side of things, right. um, whereas actors like me come at it with no knowledge of, uh, <laughs> of the technical sound engineering end of things. Um, but yeah, I went, so I went to theatre school and uh, worked as an actor for quite a few years before really struggling and deciding that I had it, I had to uh, change, change paths, really. But what was it that attracted you to acting in the first place? Ooh, that's a difficult one. Um, it was either that or hairdressing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I really knew what I wanted to do with my life when I was 16. Cool. Um, I mean, there happened to be a theatre school, a little theatre school, um, you know, back in the days before things were official in, in various capacities. I, came, I come from Cornwall and there was a theatre school in like a couple of towns away from me. And, um, and I just fancied doing some drama and, you know, and that was, that was about it really. There, there wasn't, expectations weren't terribly high 
on on me from my parents or anyone. It's like, oh yeah, I quite like to go there. And uh, my mum got me a place. And then I, when I when I actually got there, I went, oh yes, I I love this. This is amazing. And cool. and that that's where it all began, really. And did you was there a particular form of acting? Because obviously there's there's a different genres, different types. Was there a particular thing that you liked more than other things? Yeah, I mean the my initial training and I suppose the thing that I have always engaged with has been physical type of acting or a physical approach to acting. So lots of movement, um, physical performances that verge a little bit, move a little bit more towards dance and the abstract um, rather than text work as such. But, you know, I've done a little bit of, of everything. But yeah, that's always been my my interest and I went on to do mime and physical theatre for, for a little while another another course but interesting that you you moved into the voice now as a career so what so you decided that you you sort of had enough of acting so how did how did the voiceover work come about from there yeah well I'd I'd done a little bit through my acting agent as in I would get sent on you know to do to be the British voice because I was living in Ireland at the time Mm -hmm. so I did you know um like an Aer Lingus ad you know they were obviously trying to promote themselves in the UK but they produced everything in Dublin so I I would get sent in to do their ads um yeah so that was my first experience but but back then voiceover was almost entirely done in you know big studios in the center of cities it wasn't done as I am now in you know the spare room in a little booth with my own gear. Brilliant. Um, and what sort of projects have you worked on? I mean, I suppose the bre- my bread and butter, particularly because most of what I do is from home, um, is corporate work. So it can be lots of explainer videos. They're very popular now, as you know. Um, e-learning courses. I do a lot of on-hold. I've got some on-hold work to do later today. So it's, you know, welcome to... Thank you for calling Gatehouse Bank. Um, press one to speak to the operator press two to and with that kind of caper do a lot of that and that's all done through um, production companies that just make phone system stuff oh. um, mm, and then um, but then you know occasionally a commercial occasionally an audiobook I've just been recording a, a nice children's story that's been fun the last couple of days um yeah it you know it you, you never really know what what's coming up but you try and you try and get a bit of a niche going if you can yes. um because that's always good to know your niche yes it is <laughs> yes or your niche and and uh, yeah depending on which side of the channel you're on and, or <laughs> atlantic rather i should say and is it um, is it a hard profession to get into has it got more competitive because the tech is making yeah. more accessible to people these days yeah absolutely I mean it's it's really competitive now and I mean you know I'm relatively new in it um you know the old school of voiceover uh, you know have been up in arms about the flooding of the market um because it's no longer a closed shop much like acting really mm. um and of course you know the it's the internet that's responsible for all of that and as you say the the advent the advance of uh of tech so that you know anybody can go out and buy a cheap laptop a usb microphone plug it in hit record go yeah if you want to you know it's not going to be amazing quality but it's probably going to be good enough to get you started um you know fair, fair play to people like you know a lot of people are 
are succeeding that way. And if you have something good to offer, if you know, if you're good at it, if, and if you have a unique voice, if you're something a bit different, then there's no reason why why people can't get started that way. Yeah. And, and so, and I, I was curious about this because in acting, we often won't get cast for a part that we're not right for in terms of look or age. But in voiceover work, presumably you can be anything. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it often, it's often surprising when you meet the person um, <laughs> who you've heard and they just don't sound like their voice. You know, I, I mean, that's, that's so common. Um, I mean, that's why radio presenters are often radio, are often radio presenters, not TV presenters, because <laughs> they sound great. They don't quite, they don't quite uh, live up to the demands of TV, aesthetically speaking, perhaps. Um, but yeah, I mean, and I think, you know, for, for a voiceover, the more versatile you can be with your voice so that you can, you can play different characters, you can convincingly pull off various accents. So then obviously your, your range of potential jobs is, is wider. Yeah, so you've got a lovely voice. It's so, it's very rich and I can see how you, you do well in voiceover work. It's great. So how do you choose what sort of you know, voice to use for a project. Is it is it specified in the script or do you get some leeway to choose? I mean, if they want a particular character, they would say, and if they wanted a particular accent, they would obviously say up front because mm. often I'm auditioning for stuff. So, you know, you'll get the audition brief with the character, the accent, you know, much like a, an acting role, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of the the majority of stuff I do because it's corporate work is usually people book me for my natural RP accent. Although I am actually Cornish, my answer. So I could talk like that if you want me to. (laughs) (laughs) But I leave that one at home most days. (laughs) (laughs) So you get, let's say you get the script. Do, is it like 99% of them give you the steer as to what you need to do? They might say emotionally what they want from it. So, you know, um, young enthusiastic upbeat or something like that um or mature warm engaging let's let's have a listen so young enthusiastic (laughs) up i'm gonna gonna so young enthusiastic upbeat versus Mm. versus, was it warm mature and what was the other word you said engaging engaging Engaging. so Mm. i'm putting you on the spot here i may do more of this we don't know um can can you (laughs) give me me young enthusiastic and upbeat so young enthusiastic upbeat it's really up here and it's i'm really selling something this is probably really like a commercial kind of a read (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and now and now what, what was it warm mature and engaging let's mature, have that I would let it so mature I would be going more down into like my chest voice more down here and again using that smile I may be selling a funeral care package <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm I'm warm I'm sincere I'm your you know maybe your your friendly aunt or a trusted professional um that's what I'm that's what I'm going for here something that people are really going to warm to and just feel I like this person I trust this person yeah yeah absolutely and what's like the oddest I mean is there like the most odd voiceover work you've had to do what what is there anything that sort of stands out um it's been a real stretch (laughs) 
a real stretch. I mean, I was doing a corporate thing one day, you know, which was pretty standard fodder. Um, and it, but it was playing sort of like a call center role play. Mm-hmm. So there was the, the customer service person or the call center, you know, person employee mm-hmm. and the caller and I was playing both <laughs> and, um, you know, they were cutbacks, cutbacks. Um, so anyway, they sent me this script and then said, oh, by the way, can this caller, can she be Welsh? Right. So, you know, they, they, I think it must have been, you know, I presume it must have been for a, a company that was in Wales. So that was sprung on me. And for me, that particular accent is quite hard. So there, there are a few accents that I'm quite comfortable in. Irish, I'm quite good at because I lived there. Mm-hmm. Um, London accents, I'm quite comfortable with. Um, Cornish, Southwest accents, I'm quite comfortable with. Welsh was a bit of a jump. So um, what I did was I went straight onto YouTube. And do you know Rebecca? Rebecca from CBBS. Yeah. <laughs> from CBeebies, who's the loveliest Welsh person in the whole world. I thought, I immediately thought of Rebecca. And uh, and I went on and I found some YouTube clips with Rebecca on CBeebies and listened to those frantically for half an hour and then took myself into the booth and recorded my little little number and it was fine. It was fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. So when so can you take me through the process that you go through when you get a script? What what's what sort of things and and, and there's a reason why I'm asking which I'll which I'll come on to if you don't cover it, but I'm just interested in in you get it, you mm. look at it what do you do next? Yeah, I mean, usually it's a case of I read it out loud, usually standing up, um, because I tend to record standing up. So, and it just gives you that little bit of extra energy, which I find really helpful, mm-hmm. um, because every every read I do, it's always that little bit heightened, even if it is a tutorial thing, an instructional thing that's very... Um, you know, pretty dry. Um, it still is heightened more than normal speech. Mm-hmm. So I, I stand up, I read it out loud, and then I usually go back to the brief and just check that I've understood what they're asking for and if there's any special notes or anything, because you can, you can miss sometimes the details. And particularly if you're doing an audition read, you've got to make sure you've uh, you've got you've understood the brief. And mm-hmm. um, then I usually do a warm up, um, a little bit of a vocal warm up which I think we might talk about later. Yes. Um, and, and usually, I mean, if it's a short piece, I'll normally do a couple of, re- of doing a couple of takes, so I'll record it. Then I'll come out of my booth, I'll go back to my, my main, to, to my Mac, and I'll have a listen, and invariably I'll go, right, let's go and do that again. Mm-hmm. So, but, I, but if you're only doing a couple of minutes of, you know, you've, you can afford to do that because it isn't, it isn't like 3,000 words. It's maybe 200 words, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which doesn't take long to record. So I, I usually give myself a bit of time um, to, to play with it a little bit, really. Cool. And, so, and try and listen and be objective as possible. When you're listening back. And do mm. you pick out the, because the, I, I think, so for me, so I write a lot of uh, scripts for for well for for, for theatre, but also for for sort of content for animations and stuff. And I I kind of know when I write them where the big moments are. And when I'm doing a talk, I kind of work out where the big moments are because I want to highlight those. Do you do the same thing? Is there yeah. bits that jump out and you think I need to emphasise that or I need to to do something there that's different? Yeah, pick them. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think if it's well written, the big moments are jumping out at you. Yeah. But it, but they're not always written. You know, because I mean, you know, if you've got a copywriter for a big advertising agency writing a commercial, it's going to be amazing, and and you're not going to have to work very hard as the voiceover. Mm. But if you've got the client doing a DIY job on the cheap, um, you know, you're often you have to you know, make the moments, even if they're really, they did, really didn't quite hit them, you need to, you need to make that happen. But certainly you go through the script, you mark it up, you find out, you know, you work out what's the most important thing, you give them a call and, you know, run it by them if you, if you need to. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and, and again, just, you know, recording it, listening back, did I hit that moment? Um, yeah. You know, have I, have I made, have I got that impact? Have I made that impact? That the script probably wants you know and and so you and you also said you do it standing up and and this is interesting to me because you have a physical theater background yeah do you when you are reading do you use your body or is it just all voice do, do, do you still have that connection between your body and your voice when you're doing well, the work yeah I mean I mean, for me, that has been quite a journey, really. And, I, and it's only now that I, I think, understand um, how much of a challenge that has been. Because really, as an actor, I only understood myself physically. I didn't really have an opinion about my voice. I didn't, although I'd done vocal training and I did singing training as well, mm-hmm. um, I didn't have that sort of objectivity about my voice. the way The way most people don't, as in you know, you, you listen to yourself and you think that's how you sound. It isn't. (laughs) We don't sound how we sound in our heads or in our headphones as I am at the moment. Um, you have to, you have to really listen. So for me, um, I, you know, I had to sort of bring that physicality into the voice because the difficulty is in a vocal booth, unless you're acting for video games or maybe lip syncing where you're copying an actor and they are acting obviously not just doing a voiceover, normally you have to keep absolutely still because you don't want any rustle, you don't want any, um, you know, any jewellery clinks, any mouth clicks or any of that stuff because the microphone is so sensitive that it will grab it and heighten it. (laughs) So yeah, unfortunately, you know, the challenge, and I mean, not unfortunately, but the challenge for a voiceover or for a voice actor is to really do all of that physical stuff in the voice with the voice. Yeah. Mm. Cool. Now I said, I had the opposite. So when I act, I'm very voice and the, the movement is the, I find harder. Cool. Okay. So I, I wanted you to come on the show because I believe as a speaker that it's really important to show rather than tell, also in acting, also in comedy. So performing with your voice is a brilliant way to bring stories and dialogue and and the big moments that we've spoken about of a presentational talk to life. Yeah. And so I wanted to see if I could get you to give us some tips for using our voice to bring these moments alive. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think there's you know, there's quite a few practical slash technical things that you can look at, which you probably don't, as a regular person, you probably don't think very much about your voice and what it does and how, 
the impression it 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 has on people um I mean I think the really obvious thing to do is to record yourself so that you know get get your get your phone get your phone out I mean these days we don't need to go and buy a dictaphone from Argos (laughs) remember those days um a couple of those I know it's just amazing how quickly things have changed um but yeah, I would highly recommend that anybody that's doing speaking that they record record a little extract, play it to their friends and family, particularly if you have a suspicion that you have a bit of a boring voice and, you know, maybe your audience is slightly falling to sleep. Um, get a little bit of feedback from, from people that you trust and say, how does this sound? And, and obviously, just by listening to it yourself, that will help you have that sort of a objective take on on what your voice is doing mm-hmm. first of all um and then you know there's all the things that a voiceover or an actor would do with a script so you know it's going through it's marking up the important bits the bits that need extra emphasis where the pauses are I think that's one of the most important elements it's not what you do but what you don't do yes so not being afraid to to take a pause, let the information sink in, because that benefits, I think, both your listener and you, because you get to gather your thoughts, you get to take a good deep breath before you carry on. And I think, I think it takes time and experience to, to allow yourself that, but it's a really good thing to be working towards from the word go is enjoy your pauses. it's really hard you know it's hard to hold the silence but it really focuses people as well yeah really focuses, and it gives you it gives you an authority and it actually makes you feel I think a little bit more in control yes if you if you think about using um using pauses and then also you know just things like varying your your pitch varying your tone so that you you're thinking about dynamics and you're you're avoiding really avoiding the bland monotone read you know yeah. <laughs> and i'm not saying you have to be like a shakespearean actor but but just being aware that that not you know that that um it's quite easy to slip into that da 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 kind of a delivery <laughs> you know yeah yeah which will have people um falling asleep and one of the I mean one of the I think one of the easiest ways to to stay on top of that and to avoid getting into that bland kind of monotone read is to put a smile in your voice yes so it may not feel very genuine but just like that silly little young upbeat enthusiastic read I did just now if I do it now and I put that smile in my voice I don't know if you can hear but everything goes a little bit up a little bit forward so now I really sound like I'm here I sound a bit more present a bit more engaged I'm certainly happy (laughs) I want to be here Um, and even if I don't my first is if I start to not smile and I bring that down you can immediately hear that my voice has gone a lot deeper um, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But from this place, it's much harder for me to have a dynamic range. Can you hear? It's all a little bit more yes. more monotone. I start to smile again and it all begins to lift up and just feel a little bit more like I want to be here with you lovely people in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It does really change the dynamics of, of the voice. From, from, you know, the, it's, the contrast is, is, is palpable. And... 
And so can you also tell me, you know, you mentioned pitch, you mentioned tone. Now I've talked about this before on the podcast, but can, mm. can you give me your sort of explanation of what the difference is? Because I think people might get confused sometimes between the two. Yeah, I mean, pitch is very much a note thing, you know, as in if I if I'm talking to you now and I make a conscious effort to change my to change my pitch, so I'm thinking, I don't want this to sound monotone, so I am going to try and emphasize and therefore my pitch may be going up and down a little bit, just to sound a little bit more conversational, a little bit more chatty, a little bit more human, um, rather than robotic, uh, yes. which we want to avoid. Um, so that's so pitch is 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 perhaps a bit more of a musical thing, but tone um, can mean anything from pitch to like the the feel of it. You know what what your what what kind how you want people to feel when they hear it, really. So like an attitude. Uh, yeah, like an attitude. Um, you know, so an authoritative tone would might might be something I get asked for, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, or a, a friendly tone, again, back to that smile. Um, so that that is perhaps a little bit more about the character and the emotion, where, whereas pitch is a little bit more of a technical thing that you can choose to play with. So could you do, I'm going to put you on the spot again, could you do the young, upbeat voice, angry? <laughs> I'm just going to get myself... Can I get myself something to read? Of course. Just let me get a little bit of script because it'll be much easier for me to do all of that with a script in my hand. All right, so I've got a really exciting script for you. Okay. And it's, it's titled Technical Definitions. Woohoo! <laughs> okay? Yes. Are you ready to be enthralled? It's not oh, about the words. I'm hanging on the edge of my seat. <laughs> oh. Oh, yeah. Right, okay. Hmm. <clears throat> Right, where are we? What did you say? Young, upbeat, yeah, and like, uh, young, upbeat, angry. Attitude is is angry. Okay, I so we're going to be upbeat and angry at the same time. It's interesting. We can be smiley and angry, which is fairly sinister. Oh, which is yeah, yeah. So I'm going to do the smile okay. that I would do, and I'm going into that now. That kind of young, and it's coming really forward. The sound is coming quite forward. As the minute you smile, the, the sound starts to resonate really forward in your head which is a good thing um okay so this is called this is security code this is a randomly generated password assigned to the unit from factory this will be needed during initial sign up and commissioning this can be found on a scratch off card provided with the rego one the total number of units to be configured to the sidewinder on a single site <laughs> it sounds kind of sort of sarky, doesn't it? Like slightly yeah. dark, like you said. <laughs> so, so that's good. So it's probably illustrated quite nicely, so that you get the the difference between pitch and tone. It is very much an attitude and a and a and a note, like you you just demonstrated. So thank you for that. Mm. That's brilliant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> cool. And and uh, is there is there anything that we can practice? to get our voice in shape because doing a 45 minute keynote or even a 20 minute talk is quite taxing on the voice and needing to keep the energy up, needing to keep those, those var- that variation and that sort of performance in the voice, it, it can mm. be quite tough on it. So if you've got any tips on that, that would be brilliant. Yeah. I mean, vocal warmups for, for speaking are, you know, kind of the same as vocal warmups for singing really. 
I mean, there is so much really great stuff on YouTube these days. If you did want, if anybody wanted to look at, you know, basic vocal warm-ups, there are just some amazing free free teachers out there doing or free resources from from great uh, singing teachers. And I don't think that just because you're going to be speaking, don't avoid the the, the singing end of it because mm-hmm. it's 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 all the same. Um, and I mean, I would really recommend just humming is a really great vocal warm up because it just warms everything up. It really, it's like, you know, running, it's like just when you switch the engine on and it's, it's turning over slowly and you're, you're revving, it's the same <laughs> with your oh, voice. Cool. So just little hums up and down a little scale. So you're just kind of, mm, this type of thing doesn't need to sound good, but just even on one note and then another note and another note, just changing the pitch up and down a little bit, not too low, not too high, somewhere in the middle of your range. Um, and then sirening. Do you know sirening, Sarah? I That's do. I always one. find this a challenge. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, no, it isn't, it isn't easy. And, and it, yeah, but it, but it is, it is quite effective and quite quick. Shall yeah. I do a demo off yeah, mic? Because I'll, I'll blow the... I'll blow this. So sirening is when you're you're really trying to go through your entire range, but it's a hell of a lot easier than doing an open mouthed scale. If you try to do this on an R, an open R sound, it would be really tough, especially if, as we're only warming up at this stage. Uh-huh. So sirening, I'll give you an example. So I'd start really low, so I'd kind of be down here. And I'm looking around for the bomb at the moment. I know. <laughs> yeah, don't do it if you've got scary neighbours. <laughs> cool, that's really good. And so is there any particular order we need to do them in or just, you know, just different types I mean, whenever? I, I mean, humming is just brilliant all the time. I mean, mm-hmm. also some, bre- some breathing works that you begin to extend your your breath capacity a little bit because if you are speaking and you've got to get to the end of that long paragraph and you don't want to be taking sort of cumbersome breaths it is worth thinking about working a little bit on on your on your breathing and voice so good so if we took only one thing away from what you've talked about there or one thing that you would tell us to improve our voice performance what would that be well i'm kind of torn between the smile and the pause interesting well we'll have both we'll do both take both yeah the smiling the smile in your voice and the pause in your in your presentations that's brilliant brilliant. they're really really helpful tips thank you for sharing those now before i let you go as is my my way i want to ask you some standard questions um the the question would be what is the best thing well i guess that speaking you're using your voice has ever done for you Oh, blimey, Sarah. You didn't give me this one before. No, I didn't. I didn't. Oh, I think it's, it's being able to communicate. I mean, that's what I love about my, my day-to-day work is that I feel I'm expressing myself and I'm also expressing my creativity in what I do. You know, whether that be acting and using the whole body or just that, or just acting with my voice. Um, it's, it's artistic expression, really, for me. Good. No, that's, a, that's a good answer. And and is there been a worst either performance or voiceover or whatever that that's happened? One of the, one of the worst sort of experiences 
performing perhaps is there anything that sort of sticks in your mind like oh no I wish I could forget that oh there's been too many too many (laughs) (laughs) there was the one where oh I mean health and safety clearly wasn't wasn't you know much of a thing back then but I was playing the fairy godmother in Cinderella once and I had to I had this like really quick runoff stage moment at the end of a scene and there wasn't a step down from from this from the the stay from the from the, from the sort of platform I was on so I had to jump oh, no. <laughs> and by and and all of this jumping I ended up with really bad sciatica oh, no. <laughs> I should have sued him <laughs> so yeah that's kind of a painful memory um and then there have been you know numerous really cringeworthy auditions where you know I've forgotten my words completely or um, I've started to make it up because I've forgotten my words mm-hmm. or I've just <laughs> frozen um, or I've made a really terrible gaffe. Um, that's happened. Yeah, I'm cringing now. I've been thinking about some of those. Yeah, there, there are so many. But, you know, uh, live, and, live and learn. Live Absolutely. and let live. Whatever, whatever expression is required right now. <laughs> cool. Yeah, it is, it's always, you've always learned something from an experience. That's, that's good. Um, yeah. make sure there's some stairs off the platform what, it sounds like oh. one of them cool and and what is the one book that you've read that has had most impact on your life and why oh Sarah another great question Ooh. this is one of those questions I'm going to go away and I'm going to think no I should have said that book Oh, I mean, it's quite a bit cliche, isn't it? But I mean, the power of now is probably up oh, there. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. Is that's that a great book and one, I, and one I go back to. And mm. what? So, what does that help you do? So, uh, so perhaps say a little bit about it. It's he's he's had it. He had an interesting journey, didn't he? Eckhart Tolle. Um, yeah. Yeah. How does it help help you? I mean, Eckhart Tolle is a is a spiritual teacher. Um, he's very much part of the mindfulness movement, I suppose. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've str- I've struggled in the past with anxiety, um, and I suppose you know being being quite ambitious, being very busy all the time, sort of fuels all of that an- anxious kind of thinking. So the power of now was was just a real turning point for me in terms of actually now it's all we actually have. Yes, we hope we have tomorrow and we certainly have the past, but none of, none of those are relevant to what we actually have in this moment and all that we can do with this moment. Nothing can be done in the past. Nothing can be done in the future. We only have the now. And yeah. And, and I mean, it's, I mean, it's such a simple book to read, you know, it's not at all, highbrow or complex um it's it's so logical that I think school children should be reading that book really it's mm. just really good for your brain yeah it's it's, it's so true it's where and it's where all the pain comes from in our lives I think you know that, that was yeah. when I read that book it was just understanding that you know that, that we're, if we are staying in the present it's all our pain comes thinking about the future or the past and yeah and and like you said, there's no promise. There's no guarantee that tomorrow is coming. So if you don't live in the moment, it's uh, mm. you're missing out. Yeah, absolutely great book. Thank you for that. Really good. Yeah, and what's the best piece of business advice you've ever had, and why? <gasps> oh, 
Sarah, <laughs> you keep throwing them at the girl. There's only one more after this. There's like one more after this. <gasps> Best piece of business advice. Oh, I've had some really terrible business. Can I tell you about the worst piece of business <laughs> advice? Yeah, let's switch no, it up no, and then we can flip it and say, don't do that. That would be cool. Go for it. Oh, well... I set up a, I, I mean, this is, an, this is in a past life. I set up a, a sort of cafe, really, when I lived in Ireland. And um, when, I, when I gave up acting, actually, and uh, I really wanted to succeed at something. <laughs> so I hadn't succeeded at acting. And uh, so I decided to set up a little, a little uh, it was a pasty shop, actually, because I was Cornish. I thought I'd bring pasties to Ireland. Um, that didn't work. But... Um, <laughs> But interestingly, there's very little help out there, I think, for when businesses don't work. Mm. And um, I've heard other people say this recently. And um, I mean, in that period of floundering around going, oh, God, this isn't working. I'm going to have to close it up. I'm going to have to sell everything. I'm going to have to, you know, work out how I'm going to pay this debt. All of that. You know, I was told things like, oh, just walk away. It'll be fine. They'll get over it. Um you know, going to court, that's just all part of the process. Don't worry about the repercussions. And this was from like business advisor people. Um, my, I'd used a consultant to help me and he gave me some really odd advice as well in, in hindsight. Things like, you know, you must fully pay your solicitor. They're the most important person. Fully pay them or else. Whereas I had so many people to pay off, you know, I couldn't pay my own rent. Um, but yeah, yeah, I would, I would be very wary about not trusting my instincts again on, you know, on a business project, even if I knew little about it in theory. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, uh, sometimes the, you know, is, is, so the lesson there is what listen, but don't necessarily accept everything that people tell you. Even yeah, if, because if they're qualified to tell you. Yeah, don't 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 always believe what the so-called experts are telling you. Because I did a lot of things in that period, which was a really really difficult period. But actually, I did an awful lot of things based on the advice of others. Whereas if I'd listened to my gut and even to my mother, <laughs> I probably would have made some better decisions. Um, but when you're doing something that's very much outside of your comfort zone and you're being told, oh, you need this advice because you're an amateur, you haven't got a clue. Um, I mean, it's maturity as well. I think it's, you know, it's, it's, it would be different now if I, if I did the same type of venture now. Mm. But yeah, yeah, beware the experts. <laughs> Trust your gut. Yeah, that's cool. Thank you. Okay, well, this is an interesting one moving on. Segway moving on to the next question. If you could have one mentor and they can be alive or dead, fictional, mm or non-fictional, who would you choose and why? Oh, God. A mentor. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm moving to the spiritual camp in this, with this question. Cool. So, yeah, yeah, because spirituality is quite important to me, and it's, it's my grounding, it's my reality checker. Mm-hmm. So I would have some kind of spiritual teacher as a mentor, because for me... If I'm looking after my sort of spiritual slash emotional slash mental health, yeah. um, the rest of my life tends to fall into place. So I, I practice yoga, for example. I'm also a yoga teacher. Oh, um, I know so, that about you. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's another thing. 
I got going on. So yeah, I would like, I would like maybe Iyengar. Do you know Iyengar? Iyengar, BKS Iyengar. He was, he's a very famous uh, yogi now, now deceased, but set up the Iyengar school of yoga, um, which is now a worldwide movement and uh, a means, uh, you know, one, one technique of training in yoga. Um, so yeah, I, I'd like him. I'd like him. Can I choose him? Of course you can. <laughs> he, is, he, is he would definitely fit the bill. He'd sort <laughs> me out. Brilliant. Oh, Helen, thank you so much for sharing uh, the uh, the voice tips and for being game to <laughs> with my my sort oh. of putting you on the spot. And and also, I think you know some of the some of the stuff you shared in those questions as well for being open and I think they'll they'll resonate with people and they'll be appreciated so that's great thank you very much now oh brilliant thank you so if people want to hire you for your lovely voice and for for, you know a voiceover project or want to connect with you what's the best places to go to do that so there is my website, which is helenlangfordvoiceovers.co.uk. Um, oh. I'm on LinkedIn, feel free, uh, which I think is uh, ooh, Helen's Voice. I'm on LinkedIn, Helen's okay. Voice. Or just search under Helen Langford. I'm on Twitter and I'm on the book face. Brilliant. Well, I will put the links in the show notes so that people can go and Thank check you. you out. And yeah, like I said, thank you so much. It is, it is, an, it is an art and you've got a, a lovely voice that will bring, bring people's projects alive. So definitely go and check out Helen and use her, use her wonderful instrument. Thank you, thank you very much uh, for coming on and for sharing those tips and for being open and, uh, and vulnerable with us as well. Thank you. Thanks, Sarah, for having me. Brilliant. How did you like Helen's voice, eh? Silky smooth. There's some useful tips to get the variety and the sunshine into your voice and your audience, I promise, will thank you for it. Okay, drum roll. Now for the big date reveal. The Sensational Speaker course will be available on 1st of August and I'll be launching it at the end of a very special teaching webinar. So go and get signed up to the waiting list and you'll get the webinar details soon. Please go ahead and say hello to Helen. And if you have a voiceover project you need doing, then she is your gal. Also, come and say hi to me at Sarah Archer 15 on Twitter and Insta. How pretentious is that? My daughter keeps saying it, so I thought I'd give it a crack, but I don't like it. Insta. Instagram. I'm on Instagram, so come and say hello. Uh, Tell me if you've enjoyed the show, what you want to see, something different or something similar or someone you know that's going to be really cool to get on as a guest just come say hi and uh, yeah that's it thank you for listening subscribe so you don't miss a show we've got a fantastic one coming up next couple of weeks on resilience we all need some of that and if you're enjoying this show would you do me a big favor and leave a review on itunes or wherever you're listening and uh, or just rate it if you can't take the time to review it just rate it that'd be cool it only takes a couple of minutes and I promise it really makes a difference I value your feedback and I and also enjoy receiving it because as as I've said before it's just me here in my little booth recording this and it'd be nice to uh, to have uh, feedback about it that'd be cool and it also helps people to find it so that's it all that's left for me to say is you go out grab your life by the nuts and get cracking bye bye
Thanks for listening to the Speaking Club podcast at www.saraharcher.co.uk.